on Sundays, like not ever, but everyone was talking about this episode. Everyone wanted to talk about it immediately. So I was like, hey, let's talk about it. So excuse my Sunday look, but Sunday's usually my day of rest. And today I'm like, okay, let's talk about it because clearly we all need to talk about it. Uh, let's shout out. Let's do all the housekeeping stuff first. Uh, Midwest Crystal, thank you so much for the $5 super chat. Here to your first same day review. So glad I didn't have to wait to discuss this one. Facts. Facts. I mean, normally I, I watch Mondays and I do my Monday review, but everyone's like, you have to talk about it today. So here we are. I want to try to fix my settings a little bit because, you know, I have this green screen business going on and it's bugging me. So, oh, look, I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone. Oh. That works. Uh, that works. Okay, perfect. Let's go with that. Um, shout out to the live chat. T. Jones, Dasha, Dr. Julissa's. I love the Sunday fun day look. Thank you, Dr. Julissa. It's not really a fun day. It's more like a, like, oh, I'm not going to get ready. No makeup. Even though you guys think I have makeup, I have the microblading. That's why my eyebrows always look like on fire. If I have my eyebrows done, then that's all I need, really. Um, Donna, T. Jones, Crystal, who else is in here? Diamond Girl, shout out, Dasha, everyone that's in here, shout, shout out to you guys all. Uh, it definitely is a Sunday fun day. Um, I want to talk about all things Before the 90 Days, Season 5, Episode 11, Looking Strong. Thank you. There are no muscles popping here, but I'm going to take it, T. Strong. Uh, back to square one, season five, episode 11. And so here's the thing, you guys, first and foremost, I want to say this. Thank you for supporting the show. Bottom of the screen, you can see where you can support the show even more. Uh, without your support, we can't make these shows go. Uh, shout out to my Patreon subscribers. We're such a great family. And I just, I really love you guys and, and all the things we talk about. It's so much fun. All the things. Hey, Stevie. Hey. Um, so support the show. That's, that's all I have to say. Besides that, I also do want to say, um, we're continuing to send present thoughts to everything that's happening in Ukraine. I do want to say that it's been a tough week. You know what I mean? It's been a tough week. And for me being an African through and through from Canada, and hearing the things that are happening to African students that are stuck in Ukraine and not being able to board trains and all of that stuff and taking refugee in households that, you know, aren't racist. Families are like, you know what? You guys deserve the same type of shelter as we do. I appreciate that. So let's just all put our positive energy, our thoughts and our prayers to everything that's happening in Ukraine. Because at the end of the day, we're all human. 
we all absolutely deserve equal love and support and all lives matter. And, and, and I know that's a very controversial saying, but I'm saying that it's not just black lives. It's like Indian lives are there, Asian lives are there. And the way that they are allowing people to leave the Ukraine or Ukraine is problematic in my eyes. So, uh, hello, husband, Delisa. Hey, Steve. Hey. So me saying all of that, I'm saying that to say like, we, we're all, we all deserve love support. We all deserve, um, We just all deserve equality. That's what I'm saying. That being said, let's talk about Sunday fun day. Let's talk about before the 90 days, back to square one. It's a hot mess, you guys. It's a hot mess in my eyes because I'm like, I know that I'm not on the season 11. And you guys know that there is only like two or three more episodes before the tell-all. And I know I didn't watch this whole entire season for not one couple to work out. Like not one couple not one couple. And if you guys are following me on 90 day, the melanated way, how is it possible that not one couple, and I'm doing a poll in my stories. No one thinks not, not one couple is going to make it. It's crazy to me. Like I watch a whole season for not one couple to make it. Not Hamza and um, not Usman and Kim, not, None of them, none of them are going to make it. I've watched a whole season, two hours for for 14 weeks, and not one couple's going to make it. That is so terrible. That, and then the second thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that, <clears throat> I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it, and I'm probably going to get some feedback, and I'm probably going to get some feedback on the replay, but there are filler couples, and in my opinion... Ben and Mahogany, Ella and Johnny are filler couples. We didn't see Ben and Mahogany in this episode. And it's because they're fillers. Just like how they're like forcing down our throats, Ben and Mahogany, and they're trying to fix that whole relationship up. But at the end of the day, like we didn't meet them until episode six. And now we're on episode 11. And they're the, the worst of the worst, in my opinion. So we've got a couple of couples that are filler couples. We didn't see Ella and Johnny. And <clears throat> I mean, we've gone almost a whole season. And we, st- and in my opinion, in my opinion, we still don't know anything about Ella and Johnny because guess what? They don't know anything about each other because guess what? They've never met. They've never met. And now you're talking about COVID restrictions, the pandemic, all the things. And then you still want to meet in Dubai, even though you know that Johnny will have to quarantine for for five more weeks after the two-week rendezvous. But again, we didn't meet them until like episode six and we're now on episode 11. So like when I say filler couple, I'm not joking about it. 
Dr. Julie says in the house, she says, what the hell was with Ben and Mahogany's storyline this episode? That apartment was an Airbnb, and were those even her parents? We're totally going to talk about all of those things, because I absolutely... Is it Dasha's birthday? Stevie, why is there a cake here? I need to know. And T. Jones says, I hear Memphis and Hamza are together in the USA with the baby. Um, I have a lot of information about that. But again, that's news and gossip. That's on Fridays that I talk about. Um, Dasha says, wait, I saw Ben and Mahogany in this episode. I'm not talking about Ben and Mahogany. I'm talking about Ella and Johnny not being in this episode, being a filler couple. So again, when I'm saying filler couples, we didn't meet Ben and Mahogany till episode six. We're on episode 11. And again, with Ellen and Johnny, again, we didn't see them in this episode. Again, they're filler couples, in my opinion. Um, Dasher says, if it was Dasher's birthday, we would have known facts. Facts! Anyways, okay, so let's start off with Usman and Kimberly. So they're calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, she's super excited that they had sex that night before. She wants to know if he's happy. Are you happy? Are you happy? Which is like a, such a crazy thing for me. Um, she's like, you know, I really want to have sex every day that I'm here for the next few days that I'm here. And even though I'll be walking funny, I enjoy the fact that we had sex. Then she goes on to say, you know, WTF is my life. Everything she could have wished for has happened. And then she talks about there's a difference between African sex and American sex. Now, originally, so... This episode is two two hours, right? It's like an hour and 22 minutes, but with the commercials with two hours, it really did take me three hours to watch. Um, the first 11 minutes were super hard for me because I just I kept pausing because it was so outrageous. So let's talk about this. American sex versus African sex. And her saying that there's a different certain flow and... Um, like the intensity, there's no floor play, and there's flipping around all the things. And I just want to, I'm trying to just not be an asshole. Okay, so first and foremost, I feel like sex in your 50 pluses is different than just like sex in your 20s and 30s. And I don't think that, and I could be wrong, and you guys can tell me in the live chat, you can tell me in the replay, but I don't think that you have sex as often as freely in your 50s that you do in your 20s and 30s. So I feel like that's part of why Kimberly was super impressed with with Usman. Um, And then when she's talking about African sex versus American sex is like, well, how are you exactly explaining the difference? How many Africans have you been with? And me being an African, like not African-American because I'm not American. I am African. I'm from Canada. First generation African-African through and through. 
And I have to tell you, like, when she says there's a difference, is there a, is there a difference because you don't know any better and you've only had sex with Americans and so you're comparing the two? And then if you're comparing the two, you're comparing it to Lisman, who I already talked to you guys about last week, where I say, like, um, this guy, someone who tells you who he is yummy and 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 hanging and all the things is really not true. Okay. It's really not true. Someone who is like great in bed, they're just great in bed and they don't need to tell you that they're great in bed. Do you see what I'm saying? And so, and for Usman, and I told you guys, like, I'm a little bit of a whisperer in that way. I don't know. Like, it's not, it's not a skill that I'm like, Oh, this is a skill I have, but I have the skill. And I got to tell you that, Isman continuing to tell us all that he's packing with his yami is a little bit suspect to me. Because people who are packing, especially Africans, they don't need to tell you. They don't need to tell you. They don't need to continue to tell you and tell the world that they're packing and that they're great in bed. They're just great in bed. And guess what? The Africans that I know that are great in bed, they don't publicize it. And they don't publicize it because... They either have a family or they're doing the thing or whatever, but they don't need to let you know that they're great in bed. And so this whole thing with the difference between African sex and American sex, I was like, you know what? I'm first of all, I don't know if I, I hate to say this. I don't know if I am not a fan of, of Usman because really I want, I want to be like about, anyone who's African. I want to be about anyone who's positive. I want, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be that way, but he rubs me the wrong way. And I think that um, he's on this show for the wrong reasons. And I think that him saying that he, he is the prize is, is kind of terrible. Like, why are you the prize? And why do you say that you're so wicked and bad and Kimberly loves me and I'm the best and I gave her the yummy and today I'm going to tell you that we're having sex like all of that stuff all of it just sits poorly with me and so at the end of the day I'm just like oh he kind of sucks in my opinion like he kind of sucks and not in a good way um Dr. Julissa says that thing is not thanging like he says and Kimberly was just happy to get what she got back Facts. Facts. Dasha says she doesn't know any better. Facts. Like, what are you comparing it to? Exactly. And you're saying, you know, African sex is different than American sex. But again, I would ask you, how do you know the difference if you've never had, quote unquote, African sex before? Anyways, they're high-fiving each other, which I thought was super weird. Um, And then... Usman goes to camera and says, you know, I'm happy that I had sex with her. This woman really loves me and she deserves to be, she deserves my love too. And that's when I was like, this is ridiculous. Like he's clearly saying that he's not in love with her, but he realizes that this woman is in love with her. She's a kind woman. She's a loyal woman, all the things. And let me just quickly take advantage of that. So let me throw her a little sex. She doesn't know any better. She's going to think that it's the best sex of her life. 
And then I'm going to be like, oh yeah, brush my shoulder. She'll do whatever I want her to do whenever I want her to do it. Plus, in addition to that, she's going to support anything and everything that I want. Meaning that she's giving gifts, she's giving love, she's giving attention, she's giving concern, all the things. And really, he doesn't even love her yet. He can't even say that he loves her. And it's quite sad. It's quite sad to me that, that that's where we are right now. Um, so he goes, yeah, we had sex four times, the yummy, yummy. And I was just like, yuck, like yuck, yuck, because he wasn't in it for the right reasons, in my opinion. And he is trying to make it so that he's the prize. And again, I have to say like, in what situation, in what world is Usman the prize when Kimberly clearly has been open and honest about her feelings, open and honest about how she sees the relationship. Yeah, there's been some bumps in the road. But again, I, I encourage you guys to think about anyone that has ever liked you and you haven't liked them back. You, you, At some point, you get irritated by them because you're not in the same headspace as them. They think you're the end-all to be-all. And so they want to be with you. They want to talk to you. They want to spend time with you. They want to be intimate with you. All the things. And we're seeing this play out with not only Kimberly and Usman, but Jimena and Mikey. Same thing. You only get irritated by people who want to be with you and show affection to you if you're not into them. And that's what I'm seeing here, which is so surprising because last Friday when we had our news and gossip and I told you the news and gossip, and I'm not going to share it here. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you know what I'm talking about. But for them to get to that, 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 knowing what we know here, it's crazy to me. Yes. It's bizarro. It's the bizarro world, 100%. It's 100% bizarro world. So <clears throat> Kimberly's happy right now. She, you know, she got the sex that she thought she deserved and talks about all the time how she won, she won, she won, which is like super weird to me because if you want to be intimate with someone and if you love someone, if you want to be in a relationship with them, I really feel like it should be a two-way street. It shouldn't be a competition. And so you feel like you won what a competition and Usman was the prize. That's kind of sad to me. It, honestly, it really is. So anyway, she's worried about the logistics in the relationship. What's going to happen once they both leave Zanzibar back to video calls, texting and and all the things, are they still going to be as close as they are? Um, and so she's worried about that. What is he worried about, you guys? He's worried that he thinks that he made the right decision to be in a relationship, boyfriend and girlfriend, with Kimberly because he sees down the road in the future, you guys, that he's going to win a Grammy. Okay. Let me just tell you a little something, okay? Let me just tell you a little something. Um, for those of you guys that don't know me, uh, I'm an entertainment reporter. I've covered the Grammys multiple times, the red carpets, all the things, all the things, all the things. And I am just confused by the fact that Usman, a.k.a. Soldier Boy, thinks he's going to win a Grammy with his auto-tune music, he still, and to this day, 
doesn't have a full album release. He has like what? I'm going to say half a dozen songs and I'm being generous at that. Um, but you're going to win a Grammy. You're going to walk across the stage and give your speech and say that Kimberly was there from day one and be holding her hand as you listen. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm all about vision. I'm all about like going after your dreams and goals, but thank you. Geek girl. She says, they give Grammys for Autotune. What I'm not about to say is that you're gonna get a Grammy for your Autotune songs. That's what I'm not gonna, I'm not about to say. And I was so confused. I was like, wait, what? He thinks he's winning a Grammy? A Grammy. Stop it. Just stop it. Just just can you just can we just stop it right now? And I don't want to be like the hater on because you know what? Go after your dreams. And maybe I don't know. Maybe it's because it's award season. So maybe five years down the road he'll win a Grammy. I don't I don't know. Maybe he'll I don't know. All I know is the music that I've heard is not Grammy worthy. So if you think you're walking across that stage with Kimberly, mm, I don't know. Kimberly says, or excuse me, Crystal says, Elizabeth won't even make a Grammy red carpet. He's going to be pretending from home. Fact. Because it's funny that, that Crystal says that because he, you guys remember last year when he faked all of those um, billboards. He was like, yeah, I'm on this world tour. And he faked billboards in New York in Miami, all the things with his fake LV bags. And then it turns out that he was still just in Nigeria. Do you guys remember that? Because I totally remember that. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Anyways. Oh my God, I cannot, I cannot. There's so much I want to say about all of this. I'm just going to try to be on my best behavior. Okay, so he thinks he's winning a Grammy in the future. He thinks he's going to have Kimberly walk down the aisle and walk on the, the red carpet, all the things with him and say, oh, it's because of her that this was possible. Okay. Um, He goes on to say that he really values the relationship but he's been hiding something from her that he really wants to tell her because she deserves honesty. Um, and he wants to make sure that they're like on the same page, right? They're fully open and honest about the relationships. And Kimberly's feeling happy right now. She feels like her confidence is up because they've had sex. Now they're boyfriend and girlfriend, all the things. So he feels like, she feels like life is grand. But meanwhile, he's got this like secret that he wants to tell her. So meanwhile, they're going to go to a spice farm. And on the way to the spice farm, which I noticed is that he's sleeping on her. Like he's the child and she's the mom. Y'all notice that on the on route to the spice farm, he's like sleeping on her, he's lying on her, and I was like, oh, either she's the assistant, or with age, 
gap, he really does feel like she's like a mom figure in his life. At the end of the day, he's like, you know what? She really is loyal. She supports me, all the things. Oh, thank, thank you, mom. Let me just go ahead and rest my my head against you. And I am not even talking about the fact that like, I get that it's like edited. I get that it's production. I get that it's reality. But I, I'm going to need y'all to show me the hygiene of all of it all right so if you guys remember when they woke up they woke up in their full clothes even though quote unquote they had sex four times and no one's showering no one's brushing their teeth no one's doing that he's going off to get them coffee and she's going to take a bath which we don't see and then they're in like similar clothes that they woke up out of the bed with which Y'all already know how I feel. However, on route to the spice farm, still in those same clothes, still doing their thing. I'm thinking that he's looking at her as an assistant versus like a romantic partner that you just had sex with four times the night before. Yet you, your body chemistry and energy is like off. It's off. And we can all see that it's off, but so be it. So they get there and they're asked, you know, you know, you guys are a beautiful, lovely couple. How long have you guys been together? And Kimberly says, you know, we've known each other for a year, but we've been boyfriend and girlfriend for one day. And I, I died of laughter because you already guys already know how I feel about online relationships. You can say you've been in a relationship for a year with someone you've never met ever. And then you go and visit them. You spend two weeks and and literally are fighting them about having sex and being intimate, never kiss. And then 24 hours before you have your first kiss and apparently you have sex four times and now your boyfriend and girlfriend. Stop it. Just stop it. It all sounds just ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous to me. I cannot. I cannot. I cannot. You have two days left in Zanzibar your boyfriend who has literally crowned you and thought that he was giving you the biggest gift by saying you are now my girlfriend. I crown you my girlfriend. You have sex one time times four and all of a sudden you're in this loving relationship and it's the best and you've known him for a year. Stop it. This fool was like, you know what? She has given me gifts. She supports me. She made sure my music video went viral. So, you know, I love her in my own way. And meaning I love her in my own way because guess what? She's supporting my dream. And my dream is to be this international superstar singer, which she he continues to force down our throats, right? International superstar. International superstar. Okay. Okay, so um, they tell the owner that, you know, they've known each other for a year, but they've been boyfriend and girlfriend for a, year, for a day. And she explains how love is like grass and can grow anywhere. And I was like, well, is that true? Because, like, if I'm in the desert, 
in Dubai, where, you know, Ella doesn't really know anything about Dubai, can I actually grow grass in the middle of the desert? So does love really grow just anywhere like grass? Hmm. Anyway, so at the spice farm, the, the lady talks about how spices are romantic. They have romantic uses and, you know, they're the night food. And the producer's like, what does night food mean? And she's like, well, obviously it means sex, right? So like you put spices in your food at night and then you can have like great sets, all the things. They talk about nutmeg being an aphrodisiac, uh, the caramon being good for kissing. Meanwhile, if you notice that Usman is only kissing Kimberly on the cheek and I'm shaking my head. And let me tell you, did I tell you that it took me three hours to watch a two hour episode? Cause I kept pausing and being like, this is all just too much. Like there's so much going on here. So you can't, okay. He talks about how he can't kiss her in public because of his culture. And then earlier in the season, he couldn't have sex with her because of his religion. And like, you have to be back in Kimberly days, you have had to be like, you're engaged to get married. However, they're not engaged to get married. He just decided willy-nilly that they're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend and because they're boyfriend and girlfriend now they can have sex but they can have sex according to his religion because they're boyfriend and girlfriend but they can't kiss in public because of his religion i mean i feel like you're picking and choosing that's all i'm saying you're picking and choosing what makes sense to you so he's not kissing her in public so even though the caramon She's like, oh, you guys kiss. He kisses her on the cheek. And I'm just shaking my head. Like, this is all just stupid. Um, and then they talk about the lover plant, which is the shy plant that you touch that, like, curls up because it's shy. Um, and then the cassava, which he talks about before, right? The cassava that's being, like, the, the big spice Kimberly jokes like oh I hate I hope I get cassava tonight and he queen he crowns her queen of the spice village and I was like okay so are we gonna talk about how pre-Kimberly baby girl Lisa was like you super sucking bed and you're not packing, but he wants to continue to convince us this season that he's packing, that he has a yummy, yummy, and the yummy, yummy is as big as the cassava, and yet the cassava that they're growing there in Zanzibar is not equivalent to the the cassava that they, they grow in Nigeria, and in Nigeria it's bigger. I, I mean, listen, you guys, I can't say that I'm an expert because I'm not, but I can tell you that I'm African. I can tell you that this man does, absolutely does not represent all Africans in Africa. And yes, he's Nigerian. Yes, he's African. And I'm Guinean and African. But I, I will tell you this, that if there was, if there was like, um, 
If there was like a show, like Bachelor for Bachelorette for Africans, and there were ten bachelors for me, the Bachelorette, and Usman was one of the bachelors. He would be number ten. He would be number 10 because, like I told you, I don't know. I have this, like, gift. And I can tell you that besides his big, arrogant attitude, I can already tell that he's not packing the yummy, yummy that he's telling you about. And if you follow me on social media, I post some of the people that are actually packing, packing, and I don't know them. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know them, but I know they're packing, packing. And they don't say they're packing, packing. They just, you know, show pictures of them in their great outfits, all the nine yards. But I can tell when they're packing. Now, if I had to compare Usman to any other African that I do know, I will tell you this. He would not be in the top 10. And I'm not being a hater. I'm just being a realist. All the things that he... Okay, so... Like how Usman tells you he's an international superstar, but he continues to tell you that he's an international superstar. But, like, would you know Usman's music had you not seen him on 90 Day Fiance? Mm, Probably not. Do you have him on your Spotify, iTunes replay? I'm, I'm sure you don't. So when he tells you, like, he's, like, the best African lover, and that he needs a full, full day, and she, Kimberly's not going to walk properly, all the things. Mm. If you don't believe one, you might not believe the other. And I'm just saying, like, I don't believe it. That's what I'm saying. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And I'm pretty good at guessing. And I don't believe it. But he can say whatever he wants to say, right? Because now he's an international superstar and apparently an amazing lover. An amazing lover who didn't want to have sex for the first two weeks that his potential girlfriend was in town. Okay? Because any amazing lover that I know wants to to make love all the time. Okay? With your yummy, yummy. Um, okay, so Kimberly is queened, the queen of Spicy Village. They come back with the palm leaves crown, and they crown her, they crown him, they make her a palm leaf bracelet, which, you know, palm leaves is fantastic. Um... Crystal says, you know who I believe is getting my, her back blown out? Ellie. Although, Victor is an African, but yeah, I just thought of them. LOL. I'm going to tell you something. Crystal, like I told you, I, I have this gift. and I, I can't explain it. I don't know where it comes from, but I 100% agree with you. She's absolutely getting her back blown out, and that's why they're constantly like, out eating all across Seattle, and they're They're taking trips, all these lover trips, um, Hawaii, all the things. Uh, He's a bartender in Seattle. All the things. Listen, she is not wanting in that department at all. Okay. 
this fool cut his beard off and was like, okay, so the other thing is, I mean, you guys are forcing me and I'm just only on the first couple, but you're forcing me to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about it. So quote unquote, African sex is one thing. Usman is absolutely not the uh, end-all, be-all. He's definitely not the representative. But I'll tell you that that whole Caribbean sex, you're not wrong, Crystal. That's all I'll say. You're not wrong. All right. So back to what I was trying to say so we can get through this first couple. Um, so they get the palm leaves crowns and the bracelets, all the things, and, you know, kissing is everything. And Isman talks about how they've never kissed on the lips and he's kissing her everywhere, but on the lips, because his culture says in public, you can't kiss on lips. And then I was like, you know, you pick and choose what you want and believe in your culture, which I think it runs rampant, by the way, in 90 Day Fiance. You know, some people, like you go back to Danielle and how she's she's on her wedding day and her husband doesn't want to kiss her on the lips because it's Ramadan. But then you go to Rebecca and Ziad who completely kissed on Ramadan and then some. And then you go to like Usman who had all the sex with baby girl Lisa and then some and talked about like raw dogging it and all the things. Yeah. And they weren't married yet. Yet. Oh, I can't kiss you in public because of my... Stop it. So he goes on to say that, you know, they have some obstacles to overcome because of his of his culture. And again, I'm trying to tell you guys that he's picking and choosing what he believes in his culture, and I'm not impressed by it. And then he has this big secret that he needs to tell Kimberly before his music video, because it all comes back to his music video comes out and he wants to let her know that the the music video Zara is actually based on his real relationship with uh, an American woman Zara that he was dating and so that whole thing's going to come out now do I think it's a big secret absolutely not do I think we're going to see Zara on this this season we are going to see her um, and she's going to have a story to tell. And, I, and I'm going to say that her story is going to make more sense than anything that Usman has ever said. Because at the end of the day, I honestly believe if we think about it's called Before the 90 Days. He wasn't trying to be Before the 90 Days with Kimberly. He was trying to be Before the 90 Days with Zara. And Zara broke up with him, but because his music career and being an international superstar was so important to him that he decided that, hey, you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm going to just substitute A for B and call it a day. Crystal says, we need to see be seeing Zara soon. I'm getting bored. We are absolutely going to be seeing Zara soon. And I feel like I told you guys my Patreon subscriber, she reached out to me, but she has an NDA. But I do think we're going to interview her uh, specifically for my Patreon subscribers. So we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, I I, I feel like Usman has an agenda, a specific agenda. And part of his agenda is being a quote-unquote international superstar singer who wins Grammys um, 
and is also allowed to come to America. So however that looks. And it felt, I feel terrible because guess what? Kimberly seems like a really kind, beautiful spirit and genuine and honest and loyal and really wanting the best for whoever she's with. And I think that, in my opinion, that Usman is taking advantage of that. He sees that she's a pure soul. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to make you my my girlfriend because you're loyal and you love me. Not that I love you and I want to be with you, but you're loyal and you love me and you buy me shit. Oh, oh, it's, it's, listen, it's terrible. I, I, I don't want to, like, it's terrible. That's all I'll say. It's terrible. And I, I feel like he's a terrible person. Uh, Krista says, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, you're missing out. Facts. And Dr. Julissa says facts, which is what I just said. Y'all are missing out. That's all I have to say. But I don't actually need to say anything. I love our little Patreon family. I love the things that we get there, our exclusives, all the things. So if you're interested in that, definitely look up the Melanated Way on Patreon. Um, I mean, the lowest subscription is five bucks a month. For being in the know for all things 90 days it's kind of a steal really I mean, even if you have one if you watch one news and gossip it's one news and gossip that you probably didn't know you didn't know last week right ashley friday we talked about all the business ashley we talked about all the business and i even forgot some of the business and we talked for for like almost two hours so anyways be there or be square. Let's move on to Ben and Mahogany. I do want to say this. Ben and Mahogany are super confusing to me. And me as an entertainment reporter, I just, I don't even know what to do with them. I don't know what to believe. Are they actors? Are they not actors? Are they in love? Are they not in love? You know, recently it leaked on Reddit that they were in uh, Lima, Lima, Lima together at the mall shopping as a couple but then you see them on this episode and they act like they're strangers it's all very it's all it's just very confusing to me and and i'm y'all i'm digging into it but at the same time i'm just like do i really want to dig into it because it's just it's all so stupid so anyways i'm 11 minutes into watching this episode and ben and mahogany come up and ben is shirtless He's talking about some friggin' bronzer that I was like, what? Wait, what? We already know that you're a fitness model, Ben. We already know that you're 50-something. You feel like you're getting your second lease on life. And now we have to talk about stupid bronzer and your girlfriend, Mahogany, which is not really your girlfriend because you just met her one day ago and even when you met her, she wasn't feeling you and you're saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And she's like, getting hugged, but she's not hugging you back and definitely not saying that she loves you back. But we need to see you shirtless and talking to a bronzer. Now you're going to meet her on the boardwalk, how you're a fitness model. And so because you're a fitness model, you're totally into like even skin tone, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my God, why? Why? First it was like that train 
poem thing. Every time I see you, you're shirtless. I get it, Ben. You love your body. You work out. You look good. I get it. But like, I don't need that to be shoved down my throat, especially since I only met you in episode six and we don't see you in every single episode, but you want to force down our throat that you're a fitness model and all the things. Then when he said my MUA gave me some bronzer, I was like, what? What? It was crickets, right? It's crickets. My MUA gave me some bronzer. Producers like, what does MUA stand for? Your makeup artist? Your makeup art. Your makeup artist gave you some bronzer so that you can slather it on your skin so that you can have even skin's tone because you're a fitness model. You need to do all of that and waste five minutes of my time. Honestly, I don't care. I don't care. I've seen you shirtless too many times for the amount of episodes that happen in the season. I get your fitness pot, uh, model. I get you have a six pack. And now we're talking about bronzer. Are we? Are we talking about bronzer? Because can we talk about? Oh my god, it's super. I just want to put this disclaimer in. I told you guys I was going to be on one, and I'm on one today. So take it for what it is. But not only do I have to hear you talk about how much you're a fitness model, how all the time I see you, ninety percent of the time you're shirtless, but now I have to talk about even skin tone and freaking makeup artists and the fact that you packed a mitten to apply your bronzer but the bronzer that you applied you clearly have not never seen before and all of a sudden it has sparkles and it's sparkling bronzer so now you're freaking out dude i laughed i had to pause and laugh pause and laugh because i don't know if i should be laughing so much more of the mitten that you have, because I don't even have a mitten. I have like a sparkly thing that you can put sparkles on when you're going to the club and raving and all that stuff. But obviously I don't need bronzer, but you have a bronzer that has sparkles on it and you packed your own mitten to apply it? Are you... Uh, uh, I mean... I mean... Krista said, Linda, I think the ma- his makeup artist handed him the bronzer and the mitten right before they turned the camera on. Facts. And Vanessa says, I know makeup artist is an acronym, but who says letters and suggesting makeup artist? No one. No one, Vanessa. No one says that. But he wanted to be, like, super cool because, you know, he's 50-something. He doesn't know any better. Anyone that talks about their makeup artist just says makeup artist, or they actually just say their name. Betty, my makeup artist. Julie, my makeup artist. Juan, my makeup artist. But he wanted to be like, my MUA. My MUA, give me some bronzer. Get the fuck out of here. You sound stupid. But, you know, he's old, so he's just trying to be cool and, and, and push through his midlife crisis. Then he talks about how, so he's he's washing off the bronzer. He's talking about how he was ghosted for 24 hours. And I was like, wasn't that longer than 24 hours? You flew there and it took you 24 hours to get there. 
And then when you got there, she didn't show up and you spent a whole 24 hours lamenting in your bed, lying down like, oh, what should I do? And then the following day, you decided to go to her hometown. You waited another at least six to eight hours for her to show up at the hotel. So I'm guaranteeing it was more than 24 hours that she ghosted you. Um, and so for you to be like, oh, you know, she ghosted me for 24 hours, but now it's all amazing and it's beautiful and all the things, but he thought it was going to be a rom-com kind of meet cute, but it wasn't. And then he still says the moment was magical. And I was like, was it though? Did you see the same setup that I saw? Because what I saw was she wasn't calling you back. She wasn't texting you back. You were acting a stalker. You remember where she said she lived. So you went there, kept talk, uh, calling and texting her. And then you sat there for hour upon hour. And finally, she decided to show up. So how was that magical? How was that magical? So then he says, not only that, he's going to wear his best outfit because he's going to put the shirt on. The shirt's going to make him, quote unquote, pop because it's a compression shirt and the compression shirt is going to allow his muscles to be popping out of his shirt. He feels like he's a teenage kid still trying to impress his girlfriend. And I was like, okay, but the thing is you're mid fifties. So you're definitely not a teenage kid. And the fact that you're still trying to impress this girl that you don't even know, you've only known for less than 24 hours. So a lot about who you are, considering that you said you were a pastor, you have like four kids, you have an ex-wife of 20 plus years, but you're trying to put on this compression shirt that says you, it's going to make your muscles pop. I have an issue for all of that because I feel like you have issues. And I feel like the fact that you are preying on young girls says a lot about who you are. And unfortunately, given the history of just all the church things, you're falling into that category. And it, it's not a good look, in my opinion. So he puts on the shirt, he puts it on the inside out. The producer's like, oh, your shirt's inside out. So he takes it off again so that we can, again, see the, his naked chest and his six-pack, all the things. He puts it back on. Um, and then Crystal, because I'm going to call out Crystal. Y'all know how I feel about shoes on the inside. He puts his shoe on the bed that he just slept on, his outside shoe, to tie his shoelace. And I was just grossed out by the whole thing. And I had to take a minute because I was like, um... There's so many things wrong about about this specific situation, but the fact that you're comparing yourself to a teenage kid dating a 22-year-old that you just met, and you're like 52, and then you have no home training because you put your dirty-ass sneakers on the bed that you just slept on to tie your shoelaces, it's, it's all too much for me. It's all too much for me. It really is. Uh, oh, Crystal finally agrees with me. She says, oh, no, that was foul. You don't put your shoes on the bed ever. Finally, she finally agrees with me because I feel like you just don't even bring your outside shoes on the inside. And we've had a battle for the last couple of months over this, Crystal. 
T-Jones says, why feel bad for Mike when he let all this happen? We haven't even gotten to Mike yet, T-Jones. We're still on Ben. Give me give me a couple of minutes. I think that we're talking about Mike at the very last. So hold your horses just a little bit. So he gets into the little mini car, which I think is super cute, which totally makes me want to go to Peru um, and, and do some traveling. So he's walking on the boardwalk. He throws his bang on the ground and he thinks he's going to finally get the meat cute that you see in all rom-coms. Finally, he's at the end of the boardwalk. There's only water in front of him. We finally see Mahogany show up. They're walking towards each other. He throws his bag on the ground. He continues to walk to her. They hug. Oh my God, you look beautiful. You look handsome. It's like a whole thing. I was like, okay, calm down. Um, and here's the thing, what I'm stuck on, because again, let's not insult our intelligence, because in the beginning, when we first met Ben, and I use that loosely, if you guys remember, one of the reasons that he had never spoke to her, never video chatted with her, only had DMs and pre-recorded video message is the fact that she didn't speak English. I need you all to in the live chat to put your hand up if you guys remember that. She apparently did not speak English, which is part of the reason why he was learning Spanish. And let me tell you, this woman that we're seeing, Mahogany, that showed up 48 hours later, speaks 100% English. And I want to even go out on a limb and say Spanish is her second, lang- second language. She speaks English first and Spanish she just happens to speak. And it makes me irritated because she wasn't supposed to speak English and yet she clearly does. And they speak mostly in English and then it's like an afterthought that, oh, by the way, I'm not supposed to speak English, so let me throw in some Spanish here. And it's irritating to me because even when I hear her speaking Spanish, I can tell that it's like me speaking Spanish when I'm drunk. Seriously. I'm so irritated by it. Like, clearly, this is not the girl that you were talking to allegedly via DM. This girl speaks English 100% and she just happens to also speak Spanish. And the fact that you two are communicating English the whole time now that you're in real life, but you couldn't speak English while you guys were DMing each other. It's just, it's insulting. It's insulting our intelligence. It's insulting us as viewers. It's insulting us as fans. The whole thing just doesn't sit well with me and I'm just not impressed by it. So that being said, um, they go for lunch. They're having ceviche. And then, you guys, I just have so many questions because I know she's 22, but she was toted to be 24. And we find out in this episode, even though if you follow anywhere, the melanated way, I called this out a month ago because I found her and she clearly said that she was only 22. But Ben apparently is the only one that didn't know that. So they're having lunch. They order ceviche. They're sharing it. 
my first thought was, can she even really drink? Like, what is the legal drinking age in Peru? And that bothered me. And then he takes a bite of the ceviche and he makes this big friggin' deal that it's too spicy for him, that he's an American. Don't forget he's an American, he says. The spiciest thing he says is, is ketchup. And I, I forget, like, literally I was, I was drinking my drink. I spit it out. I had to clean it up because I was like, ketchup is too spicy for you. And that's not even like a white boy Roy thing. Like, that's like ketchup. Because I love ketchup, you guys. As a Canadian, I love ketchup. I put ketchup on everything. Things that you guys think I shouldn't put ketchup on, like mac and cheese, my french fries with a little bit of lemon. I put ketchup on everything. And and ketchup is not spicy. And so for him to say the first thing is, like, ketchup is spicy for him, I was like, um, you sound ridiculous. And I'm not impressed by any of what you're saying that's coming out of your mouth. And... You said that you were practicing and learning Spanish. You should really learn the whole culture. That includes the food and all of it. And I just, ketchup is spicy to you? Oh, Kathy, are you saying ketchup is spicy to you? Kathy Hale, I need to know. Exactly. He never had ceviche. He never had empanadas. You just, what world, where do you live again? I know you're from Michigan, but really, you ain't gone out to eat ever, not ever, not ever, ever. <sighs> Stevie says, like I said last week, she's probably from Florida. She's, I think she's from Los Angeles. I think she's from Los Angeles, and I think they hired her. To be mahogany. Vanessa says there is spicy ketchup mixed with sriracha sauce. Um, and I'm gonna say, Vanessa, that is absolutely not what he said. He didn't say, Oh, this is spicy, like the spicy sriracha ketchup that I've tried. He just said ketchup, and ketchup was spicy to him. And then tried to go ahead and say that he was an American. So we should all know what that meant. So he goes on to say that, you know, his goal is to get to know her better and to see what God's plan is. And then I want to say this to you guys, because I really want to know if any other people have experienced this. So, You meet someone, right? And let's say you meet someone and you go on a date with them. It's not really like you're not feeling it. It's not a vibe, but you think they're a good person. So like you're willing to just still be friends with them, right? But then they want to have these serious conversations. And it's separate and different than what I tell, continue to tell you guys where I say it's important to have the conversations before you get in a serious relationship. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you've gone on like one date. This dude is not even, he's gone on one pseudo date at the restaurant where she showed up six hours late. And now he wants to have a full on conversation about feelings and relationships, all the things. And then he says to her, what made you lose trust in me when I came here? And I was like, wait, what? 
First of all, she's 20 fucking two. Second of all, what kind of question is that? It's not like you've been in this deep, committed relationship for months. And all of a sudden, she lost trust in you. She doesn't even know you. You guys have been talking for three months online. Never had a video chat. Never had, never saw each other even on FaceTime. You only had direct messages and pre-recorded messages. And you want to know what made her lose trust in you when she got here. Listen, fool. She never trusted you in the beginning. She didn't even think you would show up. She doesn't know anything about you. And, you know, she probably thought she was going to get a couple hundred dollars from you and keep it pushing. So wait, what? What are you even talking about? Then he goes on to say, was it your dad that made you lose trust in me? She says, you know, yes, my father has questions, questions about your age, all of that th- stuff. Um, and then he's like, you know, I know you love your dad and you should, but he influences you. Now, anyone that knows me, anyone that has been following me, anyone that watches my stuff, you guys know that my background is in criminology. I watch all the true crimes. And I have to tell you, when he said, I know you love your dad and you should, but he influences you into thinking I'm here for the wrong reasons, that just screamed grooming to me. It screamed grooming. It screamed Every single true crime episode that I've watched where the pimp is grooming the girl to become a pimp and say, hey, you know what? Your family doesn't love you. They're not going to love you the way I love you. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to shower you with gifts. I'm going to shower you with love. You're going to be my main chick. All the things that scream that. It also screamed grooming in the sense that you want to isolate this young 22-year-old from her fucking father who you say is influencing you. Um, Ben, you have a 22-year-old daughter yourself. Shouldn't you be the main and only influence as a man in her life? Yet you're trying to switch it up with the 22-year-old that you're trying to get with and say that your dad is influencing you? Hmm. Sounds like grooming to me and sounds super scary to me. and sounds like terrible. It sounds terrible. So he wants to meet her parents and he wants to meet her dad specifically as part of the process, which again, to me, sounds like grooming. Um, so he's like, can we meet your parents tonight? And she's like, oh, I don't know if I can make that happen. He's like, well, you know, try to make it happen. All the things. They separate. Apparently she made it happen. He comes to the house. He's walking there and he's one of those knuckle crackers, which again is a red flag to me, red flag to me. She opens the door, welcome to my home. She gives him a tour, talks about the games that she has, the surfboard, but she doesn't surf, it's just decoration. The bunk beds, which is a guest room, so that friend multiple friends can stay in the bunk beds when she has friends over. There's no pictures of her. There's no personal touch. And I was like, this is a, a area, a room, um, an Airbnb, an apartment that she's never been to. She's never been to, and you can tell she's never been to it because she doesn't feel comfortable in it. And it's not comfortable. Do you know what I mean? 
he has the same vibe. He's like, uh, don't you live here with your parents? And she's like, no, no, my parents are coming over. And he's like, well, this is different than what I expected because he feels like she's not familiar with her apartment, which is what I felt too, which was clear. You are definitely not familiar with this apartment. And he's like, you know, these are, they're games that she's never played. And then I was like, well, how do you know? Cause you don't even know her at all. How do you know? She's never played, played those games. Like I get the vibe that you're getting. Like she doesn't live here. This is not her place, but you don't know anything about her. You met her for the first time yesterday in real life. And you didn't even know she was going to show up. Um, he goes on to say everything in the apartment looks too expensive. And if you guys remember, he has been sending her money so that she can pay her rent, which, you know, if she just moved in there, it makes sense. But she didn't give the vibe that like, you know, when you live somewhere, you live somewhere and it's just like, I live here. This is my stuff. But when you're visiting somewhere, when you're in Airbnb or you're renting some, something that's not yours, you're more conservative and, mindful because you don't want to have to pay for anything that you wreck. That's the vibe she was giving off. So he says like, everything looks too expensive. He's like, this is super way strange. She's not telling me the truth about her living situation. How can I trust her? And I was like, Ben, you've, you've been in a relationship with this girl that you say is a relationship for three months. You've never met her. You never saw her in real life. You call her your future wife, all the things. And now you're having questions about how you can trust her for real. Meanwhile, you've been stalking her for the last two days since you were in Peru. All doesn't make sense. So doorbell rings, her parents show up, Silva and Jose. And there's like this super weird, awkward silence. T. Jones says, I wish she opened the fridge like they do on Hoarders. Facts, that would have been a great. Crystal says, there are no products in her bathroom. They should have showed us the closet. He'll probably find her suitcase. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, that definitely was not her place. That definitely was like an Airbnb that she rented for whatever purpose, which I think is super weird because like, if this is a whole scam, right? The, the purpose of a scam is to get money. And yeah, I already know you got money from him and I get spending a little bit more money to add to the scam. But if you're going to add to the scam, make it believable, throw up some pictures of yourself, throw a few of your shoes around the apartment and a clo- clothes hang somewhere. So it looked lived in. This apartment was not that. This and she didn't know what what was what at all, at all, at all. No pictures, stark white. I mean, come on, just stop it. So Sylvia and Jose show up. There's like this super weird, awkward silence. He says in Spanish, "Thanks for having me." Um, and the dad, you know, has concerns. He's like talking about how. Did you come here to take advantage of my daughter? You know, you courted her over the internet. You're way older. Um, and you talk about how you studied Spanish for three months, but you've only known my daughter for three months. So that's why you're studying Spanish. And it seems weird. And here's the thing. And I really want to talk about this. And I know we're already in an hour, 
but I told you guys I was going to be on one because there was too much happening in this episode. So bear with me. So, okay. Lindsay said it was definitely a last minute booking for her. Facts. Facts. Geek Girl said, I was thinking maybe they didn't want Ben to know where they really live or to have TV crews around. No, I don't think it's that. I think this is all bullshit. I think that, okay, this is what I think. I think that Ben and Mahogany are actors. I think that Ben originally had a storyline, but that girl didn't want to be on TV. And so they substituted this new Mahogany. And this new Mahogany is clearly an English-speaking slash Spanish-speaking person who filled in the void because she's already, if you guys didn't know, she's already a famous Peruvian actress. And so she thought this was going to be good exposure for her. Now production has to fill in the gaps, and but the gaps are not making sense, right? Because she, she was supposedly non-English speaking, living at home, 24, all the things. But now she's 22. She lives on her own, speaks perfect English, and it's a whole big thing, right? So it's a mess. But here's what I want to say. And I definitely want to know, there's a lot of you in the live chat. So I want to like, want to ask you guys this. So when you moved out, right, if you, and I'm assuming most all of you guys are grown. But when you moved out and you moved into your first place, let's just say this is our first place. And your parents came to your first place, right? Even if it wasn't the first time that they came, do your parents, and I don't know if this is just an African thing I don't, or an immigrant thing, but I don't think so. Because my first, when I very first moved out, I, I had a roommate and she was Asian. And her parents did the same thing. Anytime they came over, they came over with food. They came o- over with like pots and pans, groceries, whatever. And they came over. And even the very first time they had never been there, they came in there like they were running shit. They came into the kitchen. Pots are banging. Cupboards are opening up. They want to make sure that you got what you need. They're going in the bathroom. Make sure you got what you need. You got the toiletries, all the things. All the things, okay? They walk in there like they own the place because guess what? You're their child. They own you. That's what I know to be true for parents. Anytime they come over, even if it's their hundredth time to come over, they're coming over with a pot roast. They're coming over with groceries. They're coming over with something because they want to make sure that their baby is okay. Sylvia and Jose came over knocking on the door, ringing the doorbell like they had never been there before. They come in. It's super weird. They come in and they both sit down on like chairs across the place. They don't go into the kitchen. They don't go to the bath. They just sit there hands in hand, arm crossed, sitting there all erect, not comfortable. What parent? Seriously, honestly. Yes. And cleaning. Because you can never clean enough facts, Radella. Facts. Facts. Let me do your dishes real quick because you ain't clean. Not only did you not clean this 
the dishes properly, but you didn't clean out and and sponge out the sink and you don't want to have you know um stains in your sink because that that's not a good look facts Raydella. they sat there all like oh that i'm in an apartment that i've never been in before i'm sitting straight and erect in this uncomfortable chair and i'm just gonna sit here i was like first of all that's not your apartment second of all those are not your parents because no parents act like that third of all this is all a big sham. I don't know who's shamming who, but between Ben and his lies, Mahogany and her lies, and now these two parents, who I do believe are her true parents, but I do believe that they have never been to this apartment that they know nothing about. And so they're sitting there uncomfortable. I believe all that is true. Right. Oh, so Crystal said, and mama didn't even bring a home quick meal. T Jones says, well, Linda, you had parents that cared. Oh, I, I, I mean, I guess I could be wrong. I guess I could be wrong. I, I guess I could be wrong. Could I be wrong? The thing is, T Jones, if her parents didn't care, then they wouldn't show up to meet Ben and have all the concern that he's taking advantage of their 22-year-old daughter. Do you know what I mean? Dasha says, Linda, you think it was because the cameras were there? No. I don't think the cameras had anything to do with the fact that this whole thing felt very staged. It felt very cold. It felt very unlived. Like, no one knew. Everyone was just like, hey, we found this apartment. We're going to film there. And none of us know anything about it. And we're just going to be able to get in as soon as we start filming. I feel like Mahogany wasn't comfortable. Ben wasn't comfortable. And the parents weren't, com weren't comfortable. And it was all just, like, super staged. Exactly. They seemed like they really didn't want to be there, but wanted to help their daughter out. That's how I felt. It was just very, um, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable and it was awkward. So in my opinion, it, it was clear that they had never been there before, um, never been to that apartment. And I felt like it was almost like they all didn't know each other. They were all strangers. And bad actors at that because if you're a good actor, you're gonna you're gonna you're going to create the ambiance that you're a family. And I didn't get that vibe at all. I felt like even when Ben came on his own first before, Ben and Mahogany didn't sit together on the couch together. She he sat on the couch, she sat on the chair. Then like five minutes later, after awkward talk, her parents arrived, her parents sat on two chairs. She sits on the couch with Ben, and the couch is small, but they sit on opposite sides. So it was all like, oh, we're in our own spaces, and we all don't know each other. And it's, like, super awkward and super uncomfortable, and it felt fake to me. Sorry. It just all felt fake. It all felt like y'all don't know each other, and almost like y'all don't even want to be in the same room together. So then the dad asked, so, you know, why are you here for such a young lady? You know, what can you say about that? And Ben says, you know, love knows no age and I'm in love with your daughter. 
And, you know, I, I could go off for like another 30 minutes about this because I do think that love is love, but I do think that that's not what this is, right? He has his own 22-year-old daughter, and I'm wondering what he would feel if she brought home a 50-something-plus man that traveled across the world that never met her but met her online and now was like, I love you, I love you, I want to be with you. I wonder how he would feel about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's say some random guy from Timbuktu was courting his 22-year-old daughter and flew to America to wherever this Michigan that he's from and was like, hey, I love your daughter. I want to be with her. Would you have questions? Because I probably think you would. Dopey Dope, thank you so much for the super sticker. I keep forgetting, you guys, this is how I support the show, and I appreciate you so much, Dopey Dope. I appreciate everyone that supports the show and tunes in. Make sure to like and subscribe and, you know, support the show. It really does help. Lindsay, exactly. Thank you so much, Dopey Dope. We appreciate you so much here. Um, so then... He's like, you know, love knows no age. I'm in love with your daughter. But he has a daughter that's the exact same age as her, which is super weird. And the dad's like, well, what? You're in love. Hey, Texas Gina, you're in love after three months online, never seeing each other, not knowing each other, not having real conversations, just having DMs. You know, I find that this is super exaggerated. I have my doubts. And age difference is abysmal he says i was like that is a fantastic word i'm gonna use that i'm gonna use that your attitude is abysmal um your parking is abysmal um your sex is abysmal i'm gonna use that word all the time because it's fantastic so he says your age difference is abysmal uh, and then we find out that through the mom that allegedly Mahogany is only 22 years old, but I told you guys this, like when the season started, I found out all about her. I knew she was only 22, but he thought she was 24 and she's like, you know, yeah, she is pretty mature for a 22 year old. And Ben's like, oh my God, you're only 22. And he's like. I can't believe it. And she's like, what? You don't know my age? She's like, oh my goodness. And he's like, no, I thought you were 24. And it must have been mistaken in translation. I was like, what does it even, 22, 24, you're still in the same age bracket. Ben is like 52 to 54. So why does it matter? Why does it matter? And why is it considered a big deal? Because Clearly, what you're doing already, it's a hot fucking mess. And now you're making a big deal that you think there was a mistake in translation. You thought she was 23. You wished her a 24th birthday and she didn't correct you. And so now she's a liar. Now she's the liar. She's the liar. You had a full on fake relationship for three months. You flew across the country, even though she told you not to come. Then she ghosted you, ghosted you, and you kept texting her and calling her. And 
drove to her her city where she lived, showed up at a restaurant close to her house, crossing your fingers, hoping that she would show up. Like that wasn't stalker mentality. Meanwhile, you're 52. You had been married for 20 plus years, have four fucking kids. One of them, the same age as her, and yet she's the liar and she you're the one that is like offended by all of this. You think she's the liar that she lied to you because 22 versus 24. Let me tell you a little something. A, some people will say that you are a sex tourist. B, you're 52 through 54. She's 22 versus through 24. Who should know better and who has 30 years on the other person? Then the fact that you flew halfway across the world to meet someone that you had never even seen in real life says a lot about you. And again, when I talk about like all the true crime and all like the pimping and hoeing and all the things, I would just think like, all of us have seen it on TV. We've all seen people that groom people and don't do the best things. And especially, and again, I'm not saying this is him. I'm just talking. I'm not saying this is Ben at all. But throw in the fact that you're a pastor and that you were leading a bunch of people in the name of faith and God and religion. And you have all of this stuff that you're pursuing a 22-year-old that you had never met before. It seems a little fishy to me. And what I'm not about to do after just meeting you in episode six and now I'm on episode 11 is make Mahogany, who might might have been a catfish, the villain. Because if anyone's going to be the villain, it's going to be you, who is, in my opinion, super suspect. You're sus. You're super sus as a ex-pastor slash... 52 plus slash going through a midlife crisis slash flew across the world and you had never met this young girl, 24 or 22, whatever the case may be, even though you have a grown ass child that's the same age as her, but you want to be in love with her and you want to make her your wife. I don't know. I, I'm just curious who who's problematic in this situation, because if I'm going to say someone's problematic, it's going to be you, Ben. C. Cruz says, Ben is a walking red flag. You can't play smart and dumb at the same time. Facts. So he is all super offended and says, you know, I can't believe it. It must have been lost in translation. And all of a sudden, abruptly, he's like, I need to go to my hotel. He's outside to camera saying, you know, I can't trust her. Her house is not her, uh, her house. Her age is not her age. You know, I have a daughter who's her same age, 22 as her. This whole thing is freaking him out. Listen, you're freaking us out. And the reason you're freaking us out is because you're the one that chose to do this and be there. When, again, mm, how old are you? And you never met her in real life, yet you flew across the world. And now you have questions and you didn't have questions before you went. I mean, and again, T. Jones, it's not about the age, right? It's it's To me, it's not about the age. And Kenny and Armando absolutely are a perfect example about that. It's more of you didn't know 
you didn't know anything about this person. You never talked to them in real time. You never FaceTime in them, them in real time. You sexualized a 22-year-old. And by the way, T. Jones, with Kenny and Armando, they're like in their 30s and their, and their 50s, which is absolutely different than being in your 20s and your 50s. Because I do think between 20 and 30, 30 and 40, you learn a lot. Right. So 22 is different than 32. You've gone through a lot of life experiences. So that being said, you know, um, Armando being in his 30s, Kenny being in his 50s is totally different than this girl who's 22, who you've never met, never seen in real life, never FaceTime, only DM'd, is 22. You're 52 with four grown ass children, one of them being 22. Sorry. T. Jones can't compare the two because they're totally different situations because you know more in your 30s than you do in your 20s. And also with Kenny and Armando, they were actually in a real relationship. They actually had seen each other. They actually had talked. They actually were in a long distance relationship. And like I've said, I feel that Ben was in a relationship with himself, having conversations with himself, loving himself, Via DM, totally two different separate situations. <clears throat> yes, and Geek Girl says, and Kenny and Armando, they met several times. Alicia, hey girl, hey. I jumped into your live chat today. Very happy to have you here on my live today as well. Sending all the love, all the love. And Stevie says, plus Armando is a dad as well, not a little innocent boy. Facts. Facts. Even though Ben is a dad, I feel like it's weird that he's like 52, he has a 22-year-old daughter, and now he's like in love with a 22-year-old girl. And my question again is like, how would he feel if his daughter met some random on the internet, had never seen her, her him in real life, and then flew across the world to meet this person. It's weird. All right. We're running out of time. And we have so many more couples to get through. So let's talk about Gino and Jasmine. So super drama, fights, all the things. They're packing after all the drama. They're leaving the island after spending all that money. Remember the money because Gino doesn't work. $2,500. Now they're going to leave a day early because they've been fighting the whole time since they got there feel like it's a little bit of a waste of money, but what do I know? They're packing at the same time. And uh, all of a sudden the toothbrush that remember she threw out into the dirt has been saved. And Gina was like, yeah, I rescued the toothbrush because I felt you were throwing away our whole relationship. Um, and I was like, oh, that's gross. And I, I get you can change the brush off and put a new one on like you said it's like a brand new toothbrush but symbolically i feel like you should just let that shit go buy something else they're like 20 30 bucks it's not going to kill you considering you spent 2500 dollars that you wasted on a trip for no reason um so they're working on building the trust in their relationship for again, and they're packing. We find out that J 
Jasmine saved one of Gino's shirt because she didn't think he was going to see it. She didn't think he she was going to see him again, so she wanted something to remember him by. And then he says that he took one of her fingernails and put it in this bag because he thought that that was all he was going to have left of her. Now, you guys, can you tell me that you didn't get serial killer vibes from that? Can you tell me that you don't watch all the true crime and fingernail clippings and like souvenirs is not the first sign of serial killing because I'll wait because I'll tell you that's exactly what that is. So this fool said he found a fingernail of hers on the ground. He kept it and he put it in his bag because he wanted to have something that was her. He wanted a piece of her to have all the time. Now, I got to tell you, that's Serial Killer 101. If you don't believe me, just go to your Discovery Plus and watch all the true crime. That is Serial Killer 101. It's Serial Killer 101 when they keep the trinkets, okay? And when he said, quote, I wanted a piece of you to have all the time, I was like, um... And even Jasmine was looking at him like, wait, what? So then they kind of shift gears and he's like going through his bag looking for her fingernail. And instead he's got like a thousand pens in his bag. And she's like, why do you have all those pens? And he's explaining like, it's for to write and pens don't work all the time and they don't last long. A, Gino, just invest in a better pen. Instead of buying a 99 cent pen, buy like a $20 pen and you won't have to have like 30 pens, a thousand pens. It will just work. That's my first thing to you. Second of all, this whole fingernail thing, like we can't let that go and I can't let that go and you're not going to twist it so that my focus is now on your crazy pens when you literally said that you're holding on to her fingernail because you want to have a piece of her for all the time. Jasmine says, right. Alicia says, that's creepy. It's 100% creepy. Jasmine says, that's weird, but it's cute. And she gets it because it's Gino. I don't think it's cute. I think that's a red flag. I think it's a red flag. And I think that we all need to pay attention to the fact that he's keeping like bodily. It's like, remember when Paul, you guys remember, I don't know how far you guys have watched back, but when Paul was first going to meet Karini and the mom had like some hair clippings that she was keeping and he was keeping cut hair, like, and now look, it's just not, it's not something that people do all the time. It's weird. Oh my God. I just said that Crystal. Crystal's like the fingernail thing was like Paul and his mom's hair. That was gross to me. And Dr. Julissa says, oh my God, that was so weird. We're all saying the same thing. So. They're going to Panama City, um, then to David, to her mom's house, and they're packing. I noticed that 
the pillow that Jasmine gave him. He had packed that. And then I was like, I guess, because they checked out of the hotel that he would have to pack everything he has. But again, I would just feel, I don't know. It just was like messy. It was too messy for me. So he only has like a week and a half left in Panama. He really wants to get back on track um, and win her trust back all the things. And so they're off to Western Panama, uh, Shiriqui, which is where her mom lives. We find out that she's only introduced one other man to her mom, and that's her ex-husband. We also find out that that the mom had second thoughts about the ex-husband, didn't want her to marry him, but she married him anyways. So this is like a serious situation because if the mom doesn't approve, then she's not going to marry him. Um, So... They're talking about that. She's envisioning a future with him. Uh, she's also not ready to introduce her two sons to him because she's not 100% about him, which I think is like the best thing that she said all season. So she sent the two sons to her dad because one of the sons lives with the mom, but she sent them, she sent them to the dad so that it's just the mom, her, and Gino to see how the mom feels. They get to their uh, bed and breakfast. Gino's being super lazy with the bags because she's being like the diva that she is. She's like, get me the room key. I'm going to the room. You got the bags. There is no elevator. So Gino is like making this big deal. Like, where's the elevator? I'm not trying to go up all the stairs. And I was like, well, isn't there a porter? Listen, you already spent $2,500 to go to like some secluded island. I'm sure you didn't spot these dudes 20 bucks to bring your suitcases up why are you being so cheap and ridiculous there are porters right behind you do you not want to pay them because you acting like you can't go up the stairs with all these suitcases sounds ridiculous to me they get to the room um she's tired she's yawning he wants to explore but she has rules in place now because again they've they've been fighting this whole time so they're back to square one where it's about evidence and reports. So if he goes out, he has to report to her every so often. And wherever he says he is, he has to show the evidence that he's there. So report to me and show me the evidence, which I was like, what kind of relationship is that? I could never like you guys. I could never, I can never do my daily day and be like, Oh, wait a minute. So I have to take a, a sign of, Oh, I'm at the swap meet. This shirt is $3.99. Let me take a picture and show my partner. Like, oh, I'm really at the swap meet. Here's the picture. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm a grown-ass woman. If you don't trust me, then guess what? There's problems. We have deep-seated problems. If I have to, minute by minute, hour by hour, show you what I'm up to, that is definitely not happening. This evidence and reports, nope. Nope. Not me. Not me. Uh, so he decides that he's going to go to, to a jewelry store because he feels like he has a plan. Um, he's determined to win her trust back in order to win his, her trust back. He's going to go ahead and, um, buy her a ring so he can propose to her. Now, here's the thing, you guys. He gets in the cab. He asks where the jewelry store is. They bring him to a jewelry store. 
And he's like, you know, I love Jasmine. I know I want to spend my life with her. She's caring, intelligent, sexy. She's hot. Uh, she has a good heart, all the things. And I just want to be with her. And my plan is to propose to her before this trip is over. Okay. He gets to the jewelry store. First ring he looks at is $1,000. It's white gold. It's too expensive. So he goes down in the list. And he's looking at rings that are $250, $270. And he chooses the $270 ring. Now, I know you guys are going to think I'm super vain and, and materialistic, but I, I want to tell you something. I have shoes that are more than $270. And I feel like if you're going to spend a lifetime together, then I would prefer that you buy me the ring that I want. And even if, if I think of Darcy and Georgie, where Georgie doesn't have any money, and I don't think that this is the best thing to do, but he puts a proper ring on his credit card because he knows that that's the type of ring that Darcy would want. And so Gina says, it's not the cost of the ring, but the love that you have for each other. And he hopes that she says yes. But like, first of all, you bought the like just don't buy a ring just just maybe shop together and see what she likes and like they brought back layaway plans they they brought back planning like plan that shit you have a ton of time because whether you do the K1 visa or the C1 visa whatever the case you have some time and i just feel like he it's like he went to the swap meet and was like, I'm gonna buy with the first thing that I find at the swap meet. And this person sent in, you know, they traded in at the pawn shop the ring that was like yellow gold, the cheapest I can get. And they sold it for 50 bucks, and now you're paying $270 for it. And now you're gonna go to Jasmine and be like, Hey, will you marry me? It's it's I don't know. It, it just seemed all terrible. It seemed all terrible. And then he's going to meet his her, her sister and his mom. And he bought like some cheap-ass chocolates. He's writing in the card. And he's putting drawing happy faces on the card. And I was like, first of all, hey, how old are you? And second of all, between the ring and the cheap chocolates and the cheap Everything you just you're gonna come across wrong, and the fact that you don't want to take your hat off, it's all too much. It's all too much for me. I just was like, oh, this is really terrible, and you seem terrible. Um, let me get my part two out of them. So they need his mom, her mom's blessings, which is it's very immigrant, like every immigrant I know, same with Africans, same thing. Like back in the days when I was engaged, like you had to go through my parents and, and say, this is my intention, get their blessing. And then there are things that you have to do uh, for the family in order to move forward. So I totally got that. Jasmine talks about how her mom is old fashioned, direct, religious, overprotective, traditional, which if you go to any immigrant family, you're going to see that. And that, that is true. Um, 
the mom doesn't know that they actually met on a sugar daddy site. Jasmine lied and said they connected on an international conference uh, with the university she works with. So she doesn't want um, Gina to blow her cover. Doesn't want him to talk about like trying to have babies right away. Wants to make sure that he has some sense of family and faith and religion because you know, if he plans to eat, she's going to want to pray over the food first. And in order to have respect and show respect, he's going to have to take his hat off. And he's like, yeah, I'm not planning. Excuse me. I'm not planning to do that. You're what? You're, you're, you're planning to not do what exactly? Take your fucking hat off, you know. It's not that serious, which is what she said. It's not, it's not a bit big deal. But he's absolutely super sensitive about it. Listen, Gina, we've already seen the back of your head where your whole head is bald, but the back part, you have this peach fuzz. But when you put a hat on, it looks like you still have hair. We all get it, but it's unnecessary. No one cares. Um, so that's going to be a whole ass mess. Next up. Mike and Amena. Oh my God, there was so much, you guys. There was so much going on. Amena's been ignoring him, giving him the sign of treatment. Um, she's rolling her eyes at him. She kind of hates him. You can tell it's oozing out of her pores. It's oozing out of her soul. She wanted a sugar daddy that was abroad, that wasn't in her day-to-day life. And that's not what's happening because she was happy when she first met him. Like, hey, I put a face to my sugar daddy's name. I don't need you to come back anytime soon. I just need you to send me money anytime I ask for money. Pay for my rent. Pay for my food. Pay for all my household goods. But definitely don't come back here. And if you're going to come back here, don't come back here. Because now I want to get my boobs done and liposuction. I asked you for the money and you said no. So now I need you to not be here until I can make that happen with somebody else. But guess what? You showed up and now you're pissing me off because you're wrecking my game. That's exactly what happened with them. But, you know, Mike has never had a girlfriend ever in his life. First time sex with Jimena. So if you guys all remember back when you were young, where you had your first love, your first love you always remember, your first love you're absolutely connected to and that's what's happening with Mike right now he's absolutely infatuated because you know she popped his cherry so they're going wedding wedding dress shopping um and he's like you know usually your bride is excited to get a wedding dress but you know the groom's not supposed to be there because it's bad luck but he's paying for the dress so guess what he wants to be there because guess what he's paid for everything else he paid for apartment He's paid for every single thing that's in the apartment. All her family lives in that apartment. So really, it is his apartment. So he's like, if I'm buying a dress, you know, I want to be there when I buy it. Um, she's mad because she feels like Mike has been interrogating her for staying out all night. And now he wants to go dress shopping, even though her mom and her sister weren't available. Because, you know, he's the one that's paying. And she's pissed off about that. Um, he's nervous. He's He's confused. He can't understand what's going on because, you know, Jimena's really basically just being an asshole towards him, has all the attitude, is rolling her eyes when they're in the car together, looking at him like he's a piece of shit, doesn't like him whatsoever. And it's oozing. Like I said, it's oozing through her 
towards her disgust for him. So they get to the the dress shop and he sits down. He's like, yeah, yeah, I promise I'm not going to look all the things. And the sales clerk uh, showing your dresses. She doesn't want any sparkles. She wants something super simple, just a white dress. But while she's looking at the dresses, did you guys notice how sad she looked? Um, she looked sad like she didn't want to do this. But on the other hand, she wanted to do it because she wanted to keep the money train going. Um, but she puts on her first dress. She's like, oh, my God, wow, I look like a princess. I love it. But she also says something is keeping her from feeling joyous. And what's keeping her from feeling joyous is that she's not happy with Mike right now. She doesn't like him. She doesn't want to be around him. So guess what? Thinking that you're going to marry this person and putting on a wedding dress is not going to make you feel any better. So guess what? Yeah, you're going to have a stink attitude and it's going to show through your pores. Uh, So she tries on one dress and then she's done. She sits down with them and she's like, you know what? Why, if you're going to buy a dress, you don't want to give me the money for my operation, she says. And he's like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. What are you even talking about? And she's like, you know, because if I get my operation, then I can work. So, oh, wait. When we met you, you were a nail tech. And the only reason you couldn't work is because we were in a pandemic. But now that we're in the endemic, you still can't work. And now you can't work because you're so used to Mike's paying all your bills. And now you want to be a model. And now you want to get liposuction and a boob job so you can be a model. And you can't work until you get liposuction and a boob job. Listen, y'all don't hear me swear a lot. I'm going to say this. Get the fuck out of here. Just stop it. First of all, all of a sudden you're a model since when? What kind of model are you going to be with tattoos all across your body? Are you going to be a fitness model? Are you going to be a runway model? Are you going to, I don't know if they still have this, but like catalog type models, are you going to be that type of model? What type of model are you, are, are you thinking like only fan-ish type thing? And so you want to have a big tatas, a big booty and flat stomach. I'm just trying to figure out since when do you want to be a model and not the male, male tech, the nail tech that you said that you were trained to be. Now you want to be a model? And in order to be a model, you need to have a lipo and a boob job. And you expect Mike to pay for it. And you not to just work your ass off, save your own money, and go do what you got to do. Because guess what? I'm not against getting enhancements, doing what you got to do, and feeling the best that you, you feel because you feel confident. But for you to have the audacity to expect someone else to pay for it and have an attitude when they're like, wait, what? That's the part that is super confusing to me confusing you can't work you want to be a model and mike has to pay at least five thousand for your boob job and another couple thousand for your lipo but it's his responsibility and if he doesn't do it then you don't want to get married to him mike's like you know what i like you and i love you as is and she's like well you know what um when you are supposed to go back to new york next week i'm supposed to get the surgery so i need the money this week she says and so you can either pay for my boobies and my life po or this dress thing. We don't need to buy the dress. 
we're not doing this. And he's like, oh, this seems like an ultimatum. Yes, Mike, it's an ultimatum. She's saying, if you don't continue to give me money, I don't want to be with you. Which is, if you look at it, she's really saying, I don't want to be with you at all. I just want your money. But now you're forcing me to buy a dress and you're here and that's irritating me. I don't want to buy the dress. I just want you to give me my money so that I can go ahead when you're gone and do what I want to do. And then maybe I'll marry you. And I want you to be okay with that. She literally says, no surgery, no dress. Um, Mike's like, you know, I think that things aren't going well. Jimena seems like she's distant and standoffish. And I'm like, you know what? That's the only first true thing that you are actually saying that makes any type of sense. And I need you to think about what your dad said and what your grandfather said and how you should absolutely not pay for any more enhancements that this girl wants because you're already paying for her entire lifestyle. And for the simple fact that you think that you want to marry this woman, this this woman is literally spewing venom to you and showing you in her actions that she can't stand you and you're you're still considering paying for for all the things that she wants to get done is fascinating to me and it's also really quite sad because what does that say about you and and your self-confidence and your beliefs and you know we can have the conversation where you know he's from new jersey new york he could like there's tons of women there and he could have done all that but he found a person overseas and been paying for her since day one. And what does that say about him? All the things. But I also think that he just doesn't have any experience and he just wants to be loved. And he's in his thirties and doesn't know any better. And finally someone paid him his attention and he is mixing up attention with love. And that's really quite sad. So he's confused. He's like, things aren't going well. She's distant. She's standoffish. She only cares about plastic surgery. Uh, they get to the house and they're at the house and it's bedtime. He asks the kids, are they ready for bed? And she, she answers, yes, they are. But she also says, you'll be sleeping in the bedroom over there and I'll be sleeping here with the kids. And he's like, wait, what? Can we have like a private conversation just for a few minutes? And like, what's going on? And he's like, so are we not going to be intimate this whole trip? And she's like, no, we're not. And we find out that the kids have been sleeping with them in the bed this whole trip. And now he's, she's not only kicking them out of the room where they've all been sleeping, but she's like, yeah, we're going to sleep here and you're going to get out of here. And I don't give a rat's ass what that looks like to you. And he's like, wait, what? Are we going to be intimate on this trip or no? And she's like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, why? And she's like, how do I explain? She's like, you have something or maybe it's me. She's like, no, it's you. You're weird. I don't like how you are on top of me every day. Uh, if I go one way, you follow. If I stop eating, you stop eating. You Anything I do, you imitate everything that I do. It's too much, he said. And I was like, okay, you guys, listen. If you like someone, if you love someone, then them looking at you, them adoring you, they're being affectionate to you. 
is what you want and you love it and you appreciate it and you you enjoy it and you guys are kind of in this romantic bubble. But I want you to think about anytime that someone has liked you and you haven't liked them back, it's irritating to you because it it seems like they're calling you too much. It seems like they're texting you too much. It seems like they're trying to make plans with you too much. It's irritating because you don't feel the same way and you feel like, like they're burdening you. That's what's happening here. She hates him. She doesn't want to be with him. She doesn't have the same feelings that he has for her. On top of the fact that this is his first love, so he's going to be more intense and more like, oh my God, you're my world. You're my everything. I want to be with you. And I just want to, you think about your first love and think about what that looked like. And then throw in the fact that your first love didn't love you back. Yeah, it's going to be 100% irritating. And you're going to be like, I don't want to be around you. And you're too needy and you're too affectionate and it's stressful and it's exhausting. And I say it's only stressful and exhausting if you hate the person, if you don't want to be with them. If you don't want to be with them, then yeah. And maybe I'm speaking from a, a girl perspective, but I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I'm not saying it's my example. I'm just giving you an example. So there's this guy. The guy meets you in the streets of New York City. And he's like, hey, girl, hey, girl, hey. Right? All the things. Let me take you out to dinner. Let me take you out to drinks, all the things. And you think, eh, whatever, right? You're single, whatever. You go out for drinks and he, you just don't have the connection. Like maybe he doesn't talk the way you like him to talk. Maybe he doesn't dress the way you like him to dress, but he's like generous and giving, he's buying drinks, all the things, and you're having a good time in the moment, but like you can't picture that person with you long-term. So after the date, you're like, yeah, this, you know, this is great to meet you. You're great fun, all the stuff. Let's stay in contact, but you're really not trying to see that person anymore. And then the person starts texting you and calling you and like, let's meet up and let's hang out. And I have this dinner and like meet my family and meet my friends and all the things. You start getting irritated because you're like, why the fuck is this person like texting and calling all the time? I already said, no, I'm not interested. And no, you can't come over. And no, I don't want to meet your parents. And no, I don't. Right. You're only irritated if you don't want to be with that person. But if you want to be with that person, then everything that they do, everything that they suggest, you're absolutely 100% on board with because you want to spend more time with them because you want to be with them. She doesn't want to be with them. And I, I'm not even going to say that she doesn't love him. She doesn't even like him. She doesn't want him to be in her presence. She doesn't want him to be in her house. She just wants his money and she wants him to go. And she's mad that she he's being a little bit more closed with his money and so now she thinks that she can give him ultimatums like hey if you don't pay for my surgery then I don't want to marry you you can't sleep in my bed and I'm withholding sex because you're not giving me the money that I want and then goes on to say I think she's basically saying that she thinks he's a freak, that he's spying on her, and that when she wakes up, he's looking at her. You know what? Who doesn't do that when you love someone? You wake up and you're looking at the person like, oh, my God, I'm so thankful and grateful that I'm with this person. Who doesn't do that if you're in love? 
But if you wake up and the person's looking at you, you're like, oh, you're spying at me. It's because you don't want that person to be in your bed. You're like, you should have been gone the night before. Um, he says, you know, I like to look at you because you're beautiful. And she's like, yeah, you're losing me. And he's, and then he apologizes, which I thought was so sad because he's done nothing wrong. He's only supported her and loved her and shown that, hey, I want to be with you. He apologizes and says he's going to change. Is he a slob? Yes. Doesn't He doesn't have home training? Yes. You know, is he immature? Yes. But it's because he's never had a girlfriend ever in his life. This is all brand new to him. So part of being with him is, is going through that journey of, of maturity and what it looks like to be in a relationship with a woman, which he's never done, but he's willing and he's open to being better. So the fact that he had to apologize for saying that she looked beautiful and that he enjoyed looking at her was quite sad to me. Um, she says she wants more space and time and she's not ready to get married to him yet. Um, and she's like, you know, I'm just not into this relationship anymore. And he's like, you know, I'm super confused. So I guess I have one question for you. Do you love me? There's silence. And then she's like, no, no, I'm not in love with you. And that was the truest and only honest thing that she has said from the get-go. And if you're following our melanated way, we have spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert from Left Brain Center. And I will say this, that this girl doesn't give a fuck about her NDA. She has broken her NDA over and over and over again. Excuse me. She has a new man. She's posted her new man. She's talked about how she never loved Mike, how she was only using him. And so what if she was only using him? All the things. And so this whole thing is a hot mess. And this whole thing is, I'm glad he realized it now versus later when possibly he could have married her. I'm sad for the fact that she involved her children and her children were already looking at him as a dad figure. And I'm sad that he was used. I'm sad that if you guys don't know, now you know that he is indeed the one that paid for her plastic surgery. So she did get her boob job. She did get a lipo and he paid for it. And now they're not together. It's quite sad. It's quite sad. But someone said it in the live chat. He's he had to learn the hard way. He learned the hard way. And now he's gonna know better for next time. Moving on, last and certainly not least is Memphis and Hamza. Listen, all I can say is that these two shouldn't get married. I mean, if you can't even communicate and you need a translator out, like you just shouldn't be getting married. You should both go and learn each other's language and circle back circle back in you know a year and if you guys can communicate then we can have the conversation so Hansa feels like you know they shouldn't get married he needs more time he's having doubts about Memphis um his mom told him like he shouldn't be rash marriage is not a game and he feels like she's right and Memphis is you know, she's taking offense to that because she flew all the way there just to marry him and to be with him. And now this is not a thing. 
And she's like, you know, you asked me to marry you. And I came all the way to Tanzania and now you don't want to marry me. She's like, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're not nice. And I was like, well, he's not a liar. You guys didn't know each other. You just met. You've barely spent a couple of weeks together and you're expecting to be married. Yet all of these things are coming out that should have been conversations that you had before you decided to say yes. Like it's, it doesn't even make sense. So I don't think she, he's a liar. I think he's circling back like, hey, why am I being so rash? I'm being rash because I want to come to America and have a better life and get my green card and all the things. We totally get that. But I think it takes it takes like some guspa to be like, wait, I, I want a better life, but I also don't want to have a marriage that's not like a marriage for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I give him respect for actually taking a moment back saying, you know what? Maybe this is not for, for me. But Memphis is mad. She's like, you know, I need to know if you want to marry me or I'll go home. Because if we don't get married on this trip, which, you know, is only a three-week trip, then there's no more relationship, which I think is crazy. Because, again, you guys can't even communicate to, to each other without an app. Because you guys don't speak each other's language. So can you imagine how much stuff is sliding through the cracks? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want to talk about. And I know it's going to be controversial to some of you, but to some of you it will not be. Then he said, and I quote, I'm afraid of you. And she says, Why? And he says, because of all of your exes, your divorce and all the things. And he's afraid to of being like her ex-boyfriend and that she'll leave him. Okay. I'm going to say this. And it's, it's probably not the popular opinion. But I'm telling you this from experience as a Black girl living in America. Okay. The narrative that... Black women are angry and I'm afraid of you and you're intimidating and all the things. It's so lame. It's so lame. It's so lame. It's offensive. It's It makes me sad because it's such a narrative that's not true and a stereotype that's not true. And I just get tired of it. So... What exactly, Hamza, are you afraid of? What What did Memphis do that made you afraid exactly that you had to say, I'm afraid of you? So that you can slide into, <coughs> excuse me, the angry Black woman narrative because she hasn't done any of those things for you. And, and I, quite frankly, in 2022, am not putting up with stupid shit. And that was stupid shit to me because here's the thing. Did she spend time with her ex, ex-husband? She did. Did she sleep with him? She said that she didn't. We can only go by what she said. I said last week that because when you're in an online relationship and you've never met the person, and especially it's the first four weeks of the relationship, you shouldn't even have to tell them that, that because it's not even important because guess what? You're not exclusive. So her whole secret was like unnecessary and I also knew it was going to get lost in translation. But what did not get lost in translation was the fact that he said, I'm afraid of you. And you're afraid of her because of all her exes and her divorce. 
and afraid that he's going to be like her ex-boyfriend and that she'll leave him. And all I have to say, and you can come at me all day long, I don't give a shit, but his mom is divorced. So if you're going to be afraid of anyone, you should be afraid of your mom because guess what? Your mom represents who Memphis is. But guess what? Memphis is a better version of her because Memphis is educated, has a friggin' RN, master's in nursing, came from nothing, pulled herself up and still has like her own job, her own career, all the things, all the things, all the things. Yet you're afraid of her because she's divorced, has ex-boyfriends and ex-husband, but your mom has an ex-husband and has never been with anybody else. And also too, doesn't work and you have to support her. Well, guess what? You don't work. You don't have a job. You don't drive either, but you're afraid of the black girl. Stop fucking around. Okay. If you're truly afraid, you need to look in the mirror and be afraid of your own mother, who is also divorced and has not succeeded on the same level as Memphis. And you can come at me and say that she didn't have the same opportunities. Guess what? Memphis comes from foster care. Her mom was a drug addict. She lived in multiple foster care homes and still pulled herself up by the bootstraps, went to school, went to university, not only went to university, is in nursing, which if you guys want to look up what she actually indeed does, she's a nurse practitioner, which is not some like random shit, which is why moving forward when she talks about failing the boards, it's a big deal because guess what? She put her whole life into being a nurse practitioner and it's not an easy feat and you can ask any nurse how long it takes to become a nurse because guess what in small towns in america small small little towns when they don't have doctors guess who the doctors are they're the nurse practitioners and guess what memphis is she's a nurse practitioner so guess what when she failed the first time around that was her whole life so again when you talk about i'm afraid of you because you have all these exes in your divorce, I'm going to need you to go ahead and turn around, Hamza, and look at your own mother. <sighs> Afraid of you. Give me a friggin' break. <clears throat> so then she's like, you know what? Do you want to marry me? And he shrugs, okay. And then people are like, because I, I see on social media all the time, run, Hamza, run, run, run. She's crazy. She's this, she's that. And I'm like, again, I just need you guys to sit back and think about what is he bringing to the table? Because he's only 26. He has some type of certificate. He's not as educated as her. He doesn't drive. He lives at home. He doesn't cook. He doesn't clean. Um, Doesn't have a job. So what what is he bringing to the table? If anything, Memphis is the prize. And guess what? If she marries him, he also gets his American dream. So why should he run and she shouldn't run? Why should she not want a, a prenup? Because she's bringing a lot to the table. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <clears throat> T. Jones says, hmm, I haven't sensed any black women vibes at all. 
I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to need you to go back and watch the Britney season and then go back and watch the beginning of the season and talk about and look at how they're trying to portray Memphis, who is very unproblematic. Okay. She says, do you want to marry me? He shrugs okay. Um, she tells him about uh, the past summer, how she is, how she stayed with her ex-husband at her house. And he's like, why? And she was feeling down. She spent four nights there, but nothing happened. She didn't sleep in the bed with him. Nothing sexually happened. He gets mad, storms off. He says, you know, Memphis fucked me over. He's now reconsidering marriage with her. They're fighting. Why didn't you tell me before, he says. And she's like, you know, it wasn't important because we were we were just starting dating, which is what I absolutely believe. Because when I think when you date online and you've never met in real life, you guys already know how I feel about that. <clears throat> and he's like, well, you don't respect me. And she's like, I did. You know, I didn't have sex with him. I didn't sleep in the same bed with him. And now I'm telling you because I want us to have an open and honest relationship, especially if we're getting married. He's all mad. He walks to the room. The mom comes in and Hyatt is like, you know, what's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. Why are you looking down? She tells him about the four nights with her ex-husband. And a mom, mom's like, I'm going to go talk to her. And approaches Memphis. You know, what was the reason that you did this? She's like, you know, it was personal. I really just needed some moral support in the time. Hamza, who's 26 years old, didn't know what moral support meant. His mom had to explain it, saying, you know, it means lifting or uplifting someone's spirits while they were down. Hamza's like, well, why did you go to him? You should have gone to your sister, your friends. And she explains that she doesn't have a lot of friends where she lives. And, you know, her sister... It's her, her foster sister, and that's the only relationship she has. She's like, let me talk to you without your mom being right in our face. So they go in the room. They shut the door. She takes the microphone off because it's very personal to her. Um, and 20 minutes later, they come out. She's super emotional. He's even emotional. And she talks about how she had some hard times back then. She didn't pass her state boards the first time and she lost it and she was depressed, which I totally get. If you look at her total story in its entirety and the fact that she is a single mom, she's from foster care. She, like I said, pulled herself up and became a nurse practitioner. And again, Google that shit. It's not easy. So the fact that she didn't pass the state board on the first time, just like if you're going to be a lawyer, you don't pass, pass like the LSAT or, you know, the law boards the first time, that's your life. That, you put your whole life into it, and now you're questioning yourself, which is what she did. She fell into a depression. She knew that her ex was going to be there, and he stepped in with the kids, with food, all the things. She literally was in bed for four days, mourning the fact that she was like, I don't know what's happening with me, but she was depressed, and she didn't know what to do. And so she did what she could do best, which is, you know what? I know I need help. And don't want to sign up for Patreon oh, or is, monthly stay. This is so terrible. Uh, there we go. So guess what she does? She's like, I need help. And she reaches out to the person that she can get help from. And that happened to be her ex-husband, which 
not only was it in her best interest, but was in the best interest of her children. They talked it up for 20 minutes. He totally understands her. He loves her and wants to marry her again. Um, his, the story made him sad. You could see the, the, the tears in his eyes. And, you know, he was just like, you know, I wish back then she came to me because he wants to be the only man in her life and support her. It's very important to him. And the mom was like, oh, you guys, did you make peace? And she was like, he was like, butt out. This is between us. She told me what happened. And I explained to her and she explained to me and I get it now. And I'm all on board and I love her and I want to be with her. And that was, that was the episode, you guys. There was so much. And like, I could talk about so much more. I want to jump into the live chat real quick. But that was the episode. Um. <clears throat> Dasha says, that was weird that he didn't know what moral support meant, right? He asked it if it meant she needed money. T. Jones said, she let her foster sister convince her to fess up on something that meant nothing. Yes, I forgot. Wherever you're watching, if you hit that thumbs up, like, subscribe, that would be absolutely helpful. Thank you so much for reminding me. Crystal says, well, I think he should know what she went through. I guess that's why it came up. And she also says, Hamza's mama was all up in her face. Back up! Back up! Um, Stevie says she should want better. And Crystal says, yes. As a nurse with my master's, I totally understood what Memphis went through. And Dr. Julissa, if you don't know, doctor, because she is a doctor and went through all that. She said, I totally understand her devastation about her boards. I would be in a catatonic state if that happened to me. When I took my boards, I couldn't breathe until I got results back. And this is coming from, and I personally know, a doctor 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 so when we're talking about the state boards that's your life that's your whole everything that you've been training for and studying for all the things cumulates into this one test pass or no pass if you don't pass that's that's you feel like that's your life you've put in years and years and years and years and years of studying and and all the things yeah, I can imagine that. Guess what? You get the results and you didn't pass. That's just going to be devastating. Thank you for sharing, Dr. Delisa. Uh, Crystal says, I think Hans is saying he's afraid he'll end up like the other exes if they break up. I blame production for putting emphasis on that. Facts. Um, and let me read one or two more comments. Lindsay says, ha, 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 all in her face with no translator app, LOL. Guys, that was the show. Happy Sunday. We don't do shows normally on Sunday, so make sure that you like and subscribe. Um, thank you so much for being here, and I will see you guys next time, 8 p.m. for all things 90 days. We're wrapping up this week, you guys, so it is the season finale of David and Annie, season finale of Lauren and Lexi, season finale well, I shouldn't say season finale. I should say tell all for Darcy and Stacy. 
So a lot of shows are wrapping up this week. We're covering them all. Um, and then we're going to expound a little bit. I'm going to do a little something different. I haven't sh- decided what show it's going to be, but it's going to be a little something, something. We'll figure it out. Guys, happy Sunday. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye for now. <laughs>